Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be discussing holiday gift ideas from our limited perspective of the world. Right. This is not a comprehensive gift. This is not comprehensive at all. Right. That Um, would be too difficult for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before we do that, should we do a quick check in on what we're reading? You were out of town for a few days, so I bet you got some good reading done. You know, I didn't. I did not. I, it was mostly like I laid around. I've been binge watching Schitt's Creek. (laughs) (laughs) I've been binge watching Schitt's Creek. I've been watching some, you know, the holiday movies are out and with family, like my, my mom and my aunt love to watch those holiday movies. So there was some holiday movie watching there. We played Monopoly, which as you know, is um, never ending, never ending. Wait, which holiday movies? Did you watch like Hallmark holiday movies? Yeah, or you know those like really bad ones on Netflix. You oh. know, like The Christmas Prince and <laughs> Oh, they're so bad. But you but they're so fun to watch because yeah. they're so bad. I don't know. It's yeah. weird. It's weird. It's just the season for bad Netflix and Hallmark movies. That's so funny. I watched um Ocean's Eight over the weekend. Oh, was that good? Yeah, it was really good. It's fun, you know. Oh, I want to see that. I mean, basically, it's what the formula of it Ocean's on? Eleven. Um, right. I just watched, yeah, Netflix. Nef- oh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, I think oh, yeah, I'm really I think I watched it on Netflix. Ex- really excited about that. That might be, I don't know. That might be my my evening one evening. <laughs> yeah. No, it was totally fun. It was totally fun. It's completely unrealistic, just like the you know Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen. But it has an all female cast, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that's really fun. And that, I mean, I feel like those movies are what you expect from them. It's not like Mm -hmm. I want to go. I don't want to be surprised by anything. I don't want any tragic ending where they don't get away with whatever they're trying to pull off. Right. (laughs) I want them to be smart and snappy and run into like a few obstacles and prevail in the end. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So perfect. Yeah. All right. So um, I did start reading Waiting for Eden. Oh, good. Okay. And I think... This, it was just, um, I guess all those holiday movies were a good balance for that. I mean, this book is super (laughs) short. I really should have sat in in two or three hours and finished it, but it is just so graphic and so depressing. Yeah. I've still only read that first chapter, which I read in the car when I picked it up from the library. So I'm waiting to finish what I'm in now and then I'm going to turn to it. Um, but that one chapter alone was super graphic. So basically it's about this war. Um, these these friends who were friends and they say they they were sort of part of both wars the wars the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan and it's told from the perspective of um, one of the friends has already died and then his friend is in the hospital and he's in such terrible condition mm-hmm. he's been burned so badly that I mean the descriptions of like what parts of his body are left and what they do and how they stick to everything around him and how he's able to 
comprehend his environment are just so graphic and so depressing. So how far into it are you? I'm about halfway through. Okay. I was supposed to finish it yesterday. I mean, I should have finished it yesterday, but it's just one of those books that sometimes it's just like not what you want to be reading. Yeah. I think so it's one of those short, it. it's one of those short books that can take you a long time to read because it's so grim. Sort yeah. of like American prison. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've, I have it sitting by my bed and waiting for the other books to be finished and then I'll read it. And it right. looks, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, it's definitely intriguing because, you know, one of the first things I think to myself is, hmm, why tell it from the perspective of this friend who's dead? So it's sort of about these three relationship, three people in this relationship and how their relationship has played out, you know, while the two friends were deployed and how their wife is involved in all that. Because right from the beginning, they they make some hints about, you know, these are the choices that Mary, Mary has made, the wife has made. So as, as, um, the, the surviving guy who has just been burned so badly at, at some point his family had stopped visiting him, but he comes like they, they describe it as he comes online, his brain starts to function. So, he's having these very scattered memories and, you know, told from the perspective of the dead friend. And also I guess he has access to some of those memories. We get to see what he's thinking about in what looks like it should be his last days, but I don't know yet. Yeah. And we're discussing this with Sarah, Sarah's bookshelves on the podcast, right? Right. Yeah. What gravitated you guys towards this? Cause I just, I went with you all. You said you thought the first chapter, I mean, it is really good. It's just so dark. Well, I, she were, I think she recommended it and I saw it. I stuck it on my library list and it came in. So it wasn't, I, I didn't really know too much more about it other than she said it was really good. And then I, like I said, in the military, read, in the military. And I just read the first chapter while I was sitting in the parking lot after I picked it up because, you know, I always like to see like, Oh, what is this book that I got? Right. And I was like, Oh wow, this is going to be, you know, intense. Okay. So a good book to pair that with, because I did read elevation by Stephen King. Okay. And that was really good. I mean, it was, it was a really heartwarming read. It was a heartwarming Stephen King read. It's something like, I don't know, 173 pages, like just early morning reading or afternoon or whatever. So this one, the premise is a little strange. And I admit it took me like the first couple of chapters. I'm going to myself, am I going to like this? And it is about this man who is, while he's gaining weight, he doesn't gain. He's not, no, he's losing weight, but he doesn't lose any mass while he is losing weight. And so he, he looks exactly the same. Okay. So he does not appear like he's an, he's an overweight man, but he doesn't, and he continues to appear that way, even though like he is dropping two or three pounds a day on the scale. And these two lesbians have moved to town and it's made, it 
the big deal is made about the fact that they're married lesbians and they have this restaurant that they run, which is not doing well because the townspeople does not seem to take to them in particular. And he has like some cranky interactions with one of them. So he does not tell, he he confides in only a few people that this is happening to him or actually a doctor friend that he has who is retired and he lets him know what's happening, but he does not want to get tested or, you know, he doesn't want to be made a guinea pig. He's just observing what, what happens. And so it's just about his interaction as you know, with the restaurant owners and his doctor friend as this unfolds. Hmm. So in the beginning, as they're setting it up, I was not sold on it, but as the relationships between um, everyone becomes more clear and develop, it was a really good heartwarming story. Probably. Well, I was going to say like Shawshank Redemption, but Shawshank Redemption, while it was harm, heartwarming, it was really depressing. And this is just yeah. more, a lot more, I don't know, I would say bittersweet. This sounds uh, very un-Stephen King. Yeah, you know, you would think that, but he tends to, I mean, he he wrote, well, is the green mild? Um, I don't know. He has those those things that are not hard that are just more about experiences of the human of the human heart or that focuses yeah. like more on relationships and I think that this is one of his novels that do it because you wouldn't think he wrote the, the Shawshank Redemption or the Green Mile but those are both his right I never read any of those I, I know the Shawshank Redemption very well because of the movie but I never read the book right and this book is set in Castle Rock, which, you know, was that it's um, a series on Hulu. So Castle Rock is a town in Maine where Stephen King sets lots of his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was in the Castle Rock universe. Uh, I don't read a lot about the Castle Rock universe. I watched the show, so I could not tell you if any of the neighbors or the supporting characters are ones that appear in his other books. But it is set in that world. Um, okay. Well, those sound like good vacation reads. Well, maybe not so much the military one, but waiting for Eden. But the, but the Stephen King one sounds like a good vacation read. Yes. I don't know. It's just like a nice short read for around this time in particular. And if you are going to tackle waiting for Eden, it's nice to have a good counterbalance. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um... Well, I have finished some stuff. I finished The Adults. Had I finished that when we last spoke? Yes. I can't remember. Okay. So I finished The Adults and I've started uh, The Other Woman. Did you pick that up at BEA? The Other Woman? Yes. Yeah, the, Sadie yes. Jones? Yes. Have you read it? No. Okay. So I'm doing that on audio right now because for some reason I ended up with it on audio on CD. I, at from BEA. I, so did I. And I don't know oh, what to do too. with that because I don't have a CD player on anything. Spivey swap. <laughs> Put it on the Spivey swap. I'm going to do that when I'm done. Um, I just swapped my second book. So um, that I'm doing that on audio right now. And this is my third, I noticed last night, it's my third British audiobook in a row. And then I was looking back on all of the audiobooks I've listened to this year. And like 80% of them are British. 
uh, there's something about like British accents and audio that I seem to really like. Um, so that is, um, for people who don't know anything about this book, it's about a young couple who, where the mother-in-law of the, the mother of the boyfriend is manipulative and evil and she's the other woman. It's not another romantic woman. It's the mother. And so th- there's apparently going to be some twists and surprises. So I don't know what's coming, but um, it's, you know, it's engrossing. Right. Yeah, definitely engrossing. Yeah, that's and good. then, yeah. You know, I got a hardcover version of the adults. It just arrived. Oh. I don't oh, know that's why. Good. It just came out today. today oh, maybe 27? that's why. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just so I finished that and I sent that off to somebody uh, who wanted it. Is this going to be your new thing? I think it depends on the book. So, like yesterday, I finished A Cloud in the Shape of a Girl, but I'm keeping that. That's going on the shelf. Right. So, I'm not swapping that. Okay, so that Um, was good. And I'm sure if I read a bunch of backlist stuff, I'm not going to swap it because people don't generally want that stuff. But, like something like the adults, I might as well because that just came out and someone will want it. Hmm. I should put my IRC of that up. Yeah, and people put arcs up all the time. Hmm. So it's a very connected Spivey group, huh? You seem to be, yeah. Okay. So I finished Cloud in the Shape of a Girl by Jean Thompson, and I really, really liked it. I thought that was great. That's going to be in, like, my top two or three for the year. Um, it is depressing and very different painful like the topic is very painful but i thought it was really well written and it's sort of my you know dysfunctional family catnip stuff remind me of what that's about again it's about um three generations of women living in a midwestern university town grandmother daughter and granddaughter is this sort of like jane smiley this is like a jane it's smiley more depressing novel. than jane smiley wow um, jane smiley i feel like her books are about like I have a lot of farming and agriculture and more kind of descriptions of the land and the like man's relationship to the land or the land becomes a character in the Jane Smiley books. This one is while there is some foliage and flowers and stuff in it, it's really more focused on the people and um, it's not as sweeping as Jane Smiley. Like I'm thinking about the trilogy, you know, the, the Jane Smiley trilogy. This one is a little smaller, but it's, it's, and it's a little more depressing. Jane Smiley, I think has some more uplifting elements to it. Right. But I really like this one. It it's, I had, this is my second book by her. The first one was the year we left home. And, um, it's, it was really good. We had our book club meeting on it last night and everyone seemed to really like it. What kind of discussion do you feel like it provoked or invoked or? Yeah, I actually wish the discussion had been more robust. Um, There was some kind of questions about plot, you know, just sort of what do you think was intended by this or that? And then what was the message she was trying to to send across? There wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a controversial discussion. I mean, everyone liked it. Everyone thought it was sad. Um. You know, we are kind of were all in agreement. Oh, yeah, that was very poignant. Like, it wasn't like... See, wasn't I, I feel of... like sometimes books that are like that, you know, I my book club was the same way over the Kite Runner, that mm. it was just kind of depressing and dark and no one, we really didn't have it much to say 
about it. It's like, yes, yeah. this is horrible what happened in this book. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I would say it was, yeah, probably not like our best discussion, but it was one of my favorite book choices we read. Right. And we picked The Great Believers for our next one, which I'm excited about. I've been trying to get the book club to read this one for a little while, so I'm glad that it was picked. I gave them three choices. I gave them this one, The Sound of Gravel, and They're There. And I think we're going to do They're There next, after this one. Is that a good book club pick? Yes. Okay. I really like They're There, but I also think that it could engender different perspectives. It is... It'll depend a lot. You'll learn a lot. And I really loved all the characterizations and cared about the characters, but it too will depend on how you function as a reader. Okay. Um, Just because there are, I want to say that you go through 10 to 12 perspectives and it is set maybe over the course, uh, course of a period of time leading to this event that takes place on one day. So, I mean, it just depends on how much you like and can juggle multiple perspectives. I really liked it. Okay, good. I'm I'm excited to read that one. Okay, so should we get into our gift guide? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. So I think that we have picked some unconventional uh, categories to to do. And I, I haven't seen your list, but I have... Maybe, um, I'm just trying to pull it up. I have about six or seven categories and I have got like two books in each one, five, five categories or so, and just a few books in each one. So this will be pretty quick. Um, but they're not your typical categories. So I'll start and I have in mind books to read with your best friend. Mm-hmm. So these are books that, uh, you want to read with your friend because you want to call each other and be like, oh, my God, how great was page 52? You know, things that you know your your friend is going to recognize and that will resonate with her the way it resonates with you. So um, or you'll want to read it together because you just need someone to talk to you about it. So I have three books on that list. And the first is a book I read with Nicole, The Stars Are Fire by Anita Shreve. Um, that one, you're going to need somebody to like vent and share and, you know, kind of, uh, help shoulder the tension of that book. It's, um, a great story, lots of suspense and tension, and you are going to be dying to know how it ends up. So stars of fire by Anita Shreve. I also put on their department of speculation. This is a book that came out a few years ago. We talked about it recently in our podcast episode about short reads. And, um, I remember my best friend and I were reading that around the same time and we were just, you know, comparing notes about how wise and observant and wry it was. And, um, I think this would be a great book. And when I say gift guide, you, so you got to buy two copies then you have to buy one for you and one for your friends so that you can read it together. <laughs> and then the third one is um, Curtis Dittenfeld's, <clears throat> excuse me, Curtis Dittenfeld's collection of stories that came out this year. You think it, I'll say it. That's another one that I really love just like going over with my friends and, you know, pointing out the stories that we like the most and, and laughing about them. So go out and buy two copies of the stars are fire department of speculation, or you think it, I'll say it. And then, 
give one as a gift and keep one for yourself. All right, what do you got? So one of the books that I talked about last week, Kindred, actually has a graphic novel that I think is really fun, an intricate graphic novel. And Kindred is the story, like I said, it's set in 1979 in L.A., but also in Mississippi. And it's sort of a time travel novel that that takes place. It's like a black woman is married to a white man, and she discovers when she starts time traveling back to help save this redheaded child that, you know, maybe her ancestry is not quite what she thought it was. That she has white relatives and this one white relative in particular is reliant on her to get out of any kind of tricky situations that he gets in. Like basically when his life is in danger, she time travels back in order to help him out of it and then, you know, continue her family line. And so they released a graphic novel of it last year and I was looking at it and it's a really good, you know, it just, it really captures the story well and still has the heart of the story, but to get to see its story boarded out is fun. I'm actually surprised they haven't made this into a movie and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear that it's in the works because I think it just like, lends itself to 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 a movie and just has interesting points to consider especially since we seem to be in we're still this country's still in such turmoil over race Mm -hmm. so that is a good one to either and they have it in hardcover and paperback and also to read the novel i mean the, the novel is it's one of those stories that really puts you, pulls you in, but the writing is just so easy and clear that it is no heavy lifting there. Okay. So next I have on my list for people sort of as a reference book, Tim Ferriss has this, this, well, he's written several books. He's written like the four hour work week, which is, basically about being able to streamline your time so that you're not focused on, you're not focused as much on the nitty gritty of work, like just sort of how to sort things out so they're manageable. But his last book was, and this came out a couple of years ago, it's called Tools of the Titans. And it's just all about the habits and the routines of either I guess extreme sports figures, billionaires, business people, icons, like the people that you look up to and who we feel are very accomplished. How are, what are the things, the tools that they are using during their day to, I guess, streamline their activities more? Like what are the routines they, they're using? It's basically what gets them started. Do they exercise in the morning? Like what kinds of, um, fuel they use in terms of food or if there are any kind of drinks and any kinds of writing or journaling activities that they use and how they handle adversity. So I think that's like, you, you know, it appeals to every everyone. I think men, we typically tend to think that they read books like this, but I think it's just a good reference for anyone who's looking to either, you know, streamline, add or take away from their own routine. All right, so my next category is 
maybe you have a friend who's going through something difficult, maybe medical treatment, a divorce or sick family member, and they just need something to take their mind off of what else is going on in their life. So I have two books that I think are very engrossing um, that will allow someone to disappear, at least mentally, for a few days into something else. So the two books I picked are um, One Day in December, which I just read by Josie Silver about, um, I've talked about this on the show a couple times, I feel like, but it's about um, a couple who meet by chance. Um, they do, they see each other through a bus window. They don't ever get names or figure out who the other one is. Then they the guy shows up in her life a year later as her roommate's boyfriend. And it's about the next decade and how they're kind of Timing is never right, and, uh, you know, will they or won't they eventually end up together? Um, the second book is uh, sort of also a will-they-won't-they they book. It's called One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I read that earlier this year, and it's about a woman who is married to a guy. They're, he's her soulmate. They're totally in love. He is in a helicopter or plane accident and presumed to be dead, um, and then, like, a year or two later, he reappears in her life having not been dead. And at this point, she's already involved with someone else and has tried to move on. So it's about, you know, is she going to stay with the new guy or is she going to go back to her husband? So, I mean, both totally implausible, but um, very enjoyable books that if you know someone who needs some distraction and to just lose themselves in something, I think those are both good. Both are good picks. Okay, the next category that I chose was we have so many women's stories that are being developed now for movies or TV shows. So if you have a friend who really loves to watch movies or series, then there's a couple of books that are going to be like Little Fires Everywhere is going is the one that is going to be adapted with Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon. I haven't read it yet. It's next on my list. Gail, I know you had mixed feelings on it, but I always think it's fun to read these books ahead of the series. I didn't, ser- ahead I didn't of the realize series. you hadn't read it yet. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Um, I haven't read either of her books, Celesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious to see. I mean, the topic looks like it's something that, you know, is up my alley. Will you watch the at the series? Do you think? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I think I probably would. The other is my bi- brilliant friend by Elena Ferrante, and HBO has made that into a series. It's a trilogy. It's about friendship. So, um, I think it's an excellent book to read with your friend and discuss, and then get into the HBO series. And I love how everything is on demand now. So you can Mm -hmm. always just make arrangements and make those mashups work. I have not read any of those. Elena Ferrante. I have the first ones. Okay. So for your friend who um, is always posting stuff on social media about how the world is going to hell, um, some books to fuel her fire or his fire. I have Red Clocks, which is a alarming book about um, women's rights being taken away and, well, reproductive freedom being taken away and um, a world in which 
uh, IVF and abortion are illegal and how the ramifications of that in multiple women's lives who are in multiple stages of their life. Um, That's by Lenny Zumas, Z-U-M-A-S. And so for someone who believes that, you know, the end is near, (laughs) this will just hasten that fear. Um, And I I put Station Eleven on there. That's not new. That came out a couple years ago. It's a dystopian novel about America after a flu epidemic has wiped out a huge swath of the population. And um, it's a very imaginative book about a theater troupe that is traveling through the country and trying to perform um, in these kind of wastelands of, of what used to be vibrant cities. So that is by um, Emily St. John Mandel. Is that her name? Emily St. John Mandel. Yeah. So, um, that would be a good book for someone looking for, you know, affirmation that the world sucks. All right. And if they want to just continue on that bandwagon, then I've got American prison by Shane Bauer, which is really good and very detailed in linking our prison society and the monetization of the prison society to basically slavery and really got its start and I guess propagated itself after the slaves were freed and, you know, Southern farms and plantations and factories needed workers. And it talks about how the prison system was initially segregated And how some of the southern states didn't even want there to be prisons in the first place because then they would have to deal with the mixing of races. And but once people figured out that they could make money and give extremely punitive sentences in order to have a workforce, it seems like it has gone hand in hand and estates have realized how much, you know, at first they were doing convict leasing and then they realized how lucrative it is and how it became a big industry for each state. And, you know, of course, now we have the privatizations of a lot of prisons and how they're run, you know, they're basically not-for-profit businesses and what are the implications of, of that and filling these places. And it is, so it goes back and forth to tell the historical history But then he, you know, Shane Bauer also went into the prisons as a guard and super depressing. It's taking me so long to read. But like I said, if you want to, if I'm backing off Gail and you want to hear about the ills of the world, then this is definitely a well-researched book to check out. And so um, my other recommendation sort of in the revolutionary spirit, not as depressing. I mean, pretty depressing, but we're not talking about imprisonment is Rebecca Traister's good and mad, the revolutionary power of women's anger. Um, So that's also a really good book. It's just talking about just historical movements of women, how things have happened and taking a look at our recent politics and how women have been minimized and how, you know, our recent election is, galvanizing women to make some changes and to become more involved. Okay. Um, I have for your friend who reads a lot of literary fiction. 
So two books I read this year that I think are worthwhile to give as gifts, actually three. One is The Cloud in the Shape of a Girl, which we just discussed. So that's Jean Thompson. Um, I also have The Leavers by Lisa Ko. And Everything Here is Beautiful by Mira T. Lee. Um, those, when I looked back on my year of reading, were the kind of standout um, literary fiction reads. Um, I had a hard time getting into Everything Here is Beautiful, um, I think mostly because I did not like the audio. But once I switched to print, it it picked up for me. So um, those are just very well-written books about um, families and identity and uh, I think those would be good additions to the reading list of people who enjoy literary fiction. And I really loved, as I have said before, I really loved everything here is beautiful. I didn't start it on audio, so it was immediately engaging. And I thought uh, really painted a good story like of the immigrant. I just feel like I got such a really good perspective on issues that immigration, you know, people who are fearful of being deported might face and how Mm -hmm. difficult, you know, how much more difficult that becomes when you're dealing with someone who is, you know, has a mental illness Mm -hmm. that is also factored into the situation. I was kind of surprised that you put those two on there because I knew you didn't, you didn't, it's not that you didn't like them, but you didn't love them as much as I did. Yeah, um, I feel like I was in the minority, particularly in The Leavers. The Leavers, yeah. Um, there were things that I did really like about The Leavers. And, it, you know, I read that like last winter, maybe February, and that is a book that really has stayed with me. I think sometimes you don't appreciate a book maybe till a few months have gone by. And right. Then you, you know, you look back and you think, did I, you know, do, what do I remember? And that stood out to me. And the same also with uh, every, with um, Everything Here is Beautiful. Maybe that's something about literary fiction, which you and I have talked about, that there are elements of it. It may not even be plot points, but there are characters or images or things about them that really stand out to you more so than some of the more lighter fare. Right. Um, and, and those two really did stand out. So that's why I added them here. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. I feel like as we start just um, rounding up the books that are favorites or are the most memorable or that really stuck with us, because I feel like each year there are books that I'm just like, oh, my God, this was this was so good, you know, as I was reading it or right after I've read it. And then later on, I just don't I can't remember them. Yeah. And, you know, trying to balance how much of that is okay, we're looking at the first six months of the year as opposed to this last six months of the year. So the things that I felt like are poignant or memorable are just more fresh. Um, I think that's, you know, it's of course, it's why all of the the quote unquote heavy hitter Oscar movies come out. They all come out in November and December. So people will remember them Yep. as opposed to, you know, a really good book, but it came out in in February. So that's probably why the fall is such a big right time for literary releases too. Yeah. Cause they want you to remember them to buy them, you know, uh-huh. for, as gifts okay. and to give as gifts. So we are really being balanced here and reaching back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. 
and bringing you some picks from all along the way. I mean, and I feel like if you haven't read American Marriage, that's just a really good book. So my next topic is people who like to do things day by day. Like I have some day by day guides, some things that I have been reading. One is The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, which basically takes a look at the the art of Stoicism as practiced by Marcus Aurelius, Epictus, and one other philosopher who escapes me. I don't know why, because all of Seneca, all of the quotes are basically from those philosophers. And he breaks down each of the principles. There's, there's, you know, a calendar page or there's a page for every day of the year that chooses pithy quotes and talks about what they're meaning is and how we can apply them. And I find them really useful, especially for this time. There's like so many distracting things or so many upsetting things. And stoicism basically focuses a lot on the things that, you know, who you are as a person, who you want to be as a person, and figuring out which things are actually under your purview and what you can control, you know, and those are things that you should give a lot of thought to as opposed to things that you can't necessarily affect. So that's one. My other one, which I could not find, so I had to like go and search the shelves for the book because I could not read my handwriting for the name, is Classical Music to Enjoy Day by Day. It's called Year of Wonder and it's by Clemency Burton Hill. I really like the idea of this because I like classical music. I mean, it's not like I grew up listening to a lot of it, Of course, I think I heard a lot of the more popular pieces, but this is a day by day book that you can just pick up and, you know, some of them are only half a page or some of them, no, nothing is more than a page, but it tells you about a piece of classical music, you know, who wrote it, um, when it originated, and then you can just look it up and listen to it. And I love stuff like that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I think that's like such a great gift, you know, especially, if you know someone who likes music or if, or if you just have always been interested in learning some more about the pieces that we hear. Can you repeat the name of it? It's called Year of Wonder and it's by Clemency Burton Hill. And it's classical music to enjoy day by day. Ooh, that sounds really cool. So it, yeah, that. it talks about, you know, some of the artists, like some people didn't even write their music to become published and it gives you the key that it's written in and what year and just like lots of interesting stuff that, you know, when you hear music, you don't think about. And I just love that it's a particular piece each day. So if you just want to take five or 10 minutes to read, you know, like what it's about, and then just Google it and listen to it. Yeah. What do you usually just find it on Spotify or iTunes or something? Yeah, good stuff. Just put it in there. Nice. I love that. That just came out in November. Okay, so my last cat, do you have anything more for that category? Or no. Okay. So my, well, I've got two more categories. My last, my second to last one is for people who like nonfiction. So maybe it's, um, a male in your life or <laughs> cause that's a gross generalization, but, or you may have, you know, female friends or relatives who like nonfiction. And I've got two books on there that I have not yet read, but I put them on there because, um, one is just incredibly well reviewed and one just sounds really interesting to me. Um, the first one, and I have bought this as gifts for two people already this year is bad blood, which is the story of Theranos, which Nicole read and loved. 
So it is so good. So I added that there for, you know, maybe someone who's not a big fiction reader, but who would enjoy a very well told investigative journalistic approach to a, you know, interesting business topic. So that's the first one. The second one is The Four. I've talked about this on the show before. I definitely want to read it soon. But that's the book about um, Amazon, Google, Facebook, and uh, Apple, and how those four companies have impacted our lives. So um, those would be my two uh, recommendations for you know somebody who who enjoys those types of books. Oh, I can't second bad, bad blood enough. It is so good. I just feel like even if you, okay, it's written so like a story. It's so, so much narrative journalism, narr- narrative journalistic nonfiction. So you just really get, you really get into it and it's really easy to read. So it makes it really hard to put it down. Just awesome. go for a little more and a little more. And I feel like it's just so broad that who isn't interested in this? Like it's, you know, the big business aspect, the fact that you're dealing with people's health, the fact that someone could be just such a terrible boss and so many people could work and and work there and quit and, you know, hint that shady people were going on and it just continued to grow and grow. It's just fascinating. So in that vein, on nonfiction, I actually have gotten my hands on Michelle Obama's book. Oh, you have. Nice. I have. And I've read a few chapters and I just, you know, I'm the, so good? I'm the audience for it. It's so good. I was reading Entertainment Weekly this morning, just flipping through it. And they reviewed her book and they gave it a B. And I was like, really? Entertainment Weekly? Oh, they did. So there's this other book that I'm reading that I forgot to mention because I sort of forget everything that I'm reading, but it's my sister. It's uh, my sister, the serial killer. It got a B plus. And and my sister, the serial killer is actually supposed to be, it's a dark, um, it's dark humor. It's dark comedy. And I actually really like it just because it treats this as a very serious problem. Like it's, it doesn't go overboard with it, but it's just very practical. Like if, your sister were a serial killer and of course she's your sister. So you're going to help her cover it up. And it's like all about like what she has to do in order to help her sister. And then her sister starts, um, she comes to her office one day. Like this woman is this nurse who's just always had to deal with this woman. And um, she's always had to deal with her sister. She, her sister is like more attractive than she is and sort of flighty, but she comes and she visits her at work and her sister sees this doctor that she likes. Like her sister's already killed three dudes that she's had to help her hide the body. And so the sister starts up with this doctor that she's, she's had a crush on, but of course who has not noticed her, but the sister comes in and he's immediately interested in the sister. So it's like, what does she do? Um, maybe Entertainment Weekly is crazy. Well, A, maybe they're crazy or B, maybe, you know, they're grading it relative to expectation. So maybe objectively, My Sister, the Serial serial Killer is not a better book than Becoming. It's just that with the expectation of what you'll get from the Michelle Obama book, maybe they felt like it, it wasn't quite there. I don't know. 
I don't know. I mean, I feel like I don't really have any expectation. She can tell me whatever she wants to. Like, <laughs> right. That's her true. and Obama sitting beside the fire after a day of work, you know, I'm there for it. I want to hear about it. Like right. one of the things that she was talking about in one of her interviews was the fact that you pay for your own food at the White House. You know, you, you can get whatever you want to. And, you know, if you say you want something, they'll put it put it on the menu and then she talks about the fact that you get the bill so it's just Mm -hmm. curiosities like that that I'm really interested and her voice is just such a you know she has just such a great warm speaking voice and talking about oh you have it on audio uh huh no I mean her actual you know her actual voice yeah her written voice yeah her written voice her tone okay Yeah. yeah I think I will have that book by the end of this week so I'm very excited yeah like that's my prediction being curled up, listening to stories about your favorite people. Yeah. Um, so what's your last category? So my last category is just overall recommendations. Like, okay. You know, and actually one of mine is Becoming, which I haven't even read yet. I don't even own it yet. <laughs> but I put it on there anyway. This is how much I, faith you have in it and how, you know, convinced I am that Entertainment Weekly, I don't know. They right. probably didn't want to go too easy on her. Uh, that's probably right. That's probably right. They're trying to like. That's you know, what I'm got for. To, they've got to keep the heartland happy. You that's know? what I'm for. <laughs> yeah. This is the best uh, book ever. And I haven't even and, read it. <laughs> exactly. That's what I've got. It's the best book ever. I have not read it yet. I have faith that it is. So, But you should um, go buy it. Go buy it. For I was people. I thinking about putting that in my like Yankee swap for work. But I don't think I'm going to because I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then my second one. Cole, cover your ears. Oh, gosh. To the great Midwest. If you need, if you're walking to a bookstore and you're in a rush, and you're like, I need to get a book really fast for this person. There's on my no list. one who's listening to this that needs that anymore. Well, I'm just. <laughs> You've I'm mentioned just it. it they've, they've read it. They've all read it. They've read it. Actually, my <laughs> friend at work, who's a great reader, who um, she's the one who came to the rescue when I needed the audio version of Red Clocks. She walked in today and she's like, I just finished Kitchens of the Midwest oh, this morning. Gosh. I looked at her and I'm like, and because I was like, if you didn't <laughs> like it, I'm going to be, you know, doubting myself. She's like, I had to like tune out everything so I could focus only on the last chapter and not have anyone, anything bothered me. She's like, it was so good. So that made me happy. So that, so if you're running into the bookstore and they don't have Becoming, they've just sold their last copy of Becoming, go pick up J. Ryan Straddle's Kitchens of the Great Midwest and wrap it up and you're done. <laughs> You have anything more to add? Always get that. I don't think so. I think we've right. we've we've covered a wide variety of I mean, you always have our recommendations. We're always telling you about the books that we really love. So yeah. you have you have our old podcasts to go by. Um I think Gail has done a really good job in rounding it out for your particular friend. And I wanted to give some more like the classical book thing. Just like, oh yeah. I love that. Oh, I'm going to get that. I'm very excited. Um, you can't get right, it good. from the library. No, no, you need to have it. You need. To, it's a day by a, day. Do yeah, they still make those book a day calendars? I have it sitting right here. Do I, they? I read it. The book lovers book a day calendar. I get it every year. I, I love want, it. I want that. So that's on our list too. I was looking, yeah. looking for one. I never see them in stores. Oh, I have it right here. The publisher is. Um, it's page a day. That's what it's called. Page a day is the brand page a day.com. 
And I, this is like every year I ask someone to buy this for me for Hanukkah or my birthday because I love it. And you know, it's funny, like I would say 15 to 20% of the books look like something I would actually like. There's a lot of stuff in here that I'm not really interested in, but I love just hearing about them or sometimes they make good gifts. Yep. It's like this classical music. I know I'm not going to like all the pieces, but just hearing about them and. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then you do get some stuff, so. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back later in the month with um, our picks for favorite books of the year. We'll reflect back on the reading we did over the course of 2018. Look ahead to 2019. Um, But until then, hopefully this will help with some of your Christmas shopping. So, yeah. Happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading. Thank you.